Hello, I am Aaron Massat, and um, just want to let you know a little bit about myself. Is the mic good? Right where it is? Great. I'm from Kansas, and uh, I went to Friends University in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, I married my wife while I was there, and we both went to Texas, to Waco, Texas, to go to Baylor uh, at uh, George W. Truett Theological Seminary. And um, after we graduated, or I had graduated from seminary, I went to uh, work as a hospital chaplain at, uh, in Temple, Texas, at Baylor Scott and White. And uh, then we moved to Louisiana for my wife's job uh, as uh, a youth pastor at First Baptist Church. And right now I'm working as a hospital chaplain at University Health, uh, and I'm seeking endorsement with the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. So uh, very excited about this time in my life, and very excited to, uh, to be with you all today. So. Let's begin with a prayer. God, um, I ask that your Holy Spirit guide and lead us today and show us your love and your mercy. And may my words be yours. And may you work in this congregation today. We thank you for your love and mercy. Amen. The ride was silent except for the tour guide telling us about the city of Houston. The three 12-passenger vans full of young adults from Wichita, Kansas, were learning about the city of Houston and its disparities. We went from one part of the city to another, learning the nicknames the locals gave to their part of town. The guide announced, This is the fifth ward. It's also known as the Bloody Fifth. And this is the third ward, also known as the Tray. No one place in Houston was known as the poorest part because the economic diversities were very different. In a neighborhood with six-figure homes, there was a row of old homes where someone had lived for decades but cost significantly less. They were economic diversities called gentrification. The tour guide explained that gentrification was a type of renewal, tearing down the old home and building up a new one uh, that only certain types of economic classes could afford. I came to the realization on the tour that the neighborhood barbecue between this rich person and the poor person next door was not going to happen. These two classes would live next to each other and never really know one another. It was as if for the first time I could see economic segregation with my own eyes. Seeing injustice was a shock to me. It made me sad because it it hit me like a great wind and it shocked me as though I'd seen a great fire. It was as though I had been changed from that moment forward because I had the knowledge that those injustices actually existed in our world. It made sense to me. When we experience something extreme and traumatizing, we may never forget it. Our experiences can change our lives. Our experiences may change our lives. 
Now, I imagine Pentecost was like this. The fire was rushing in the room. It was resting upon them, and the wind was enormous. I can remember it like it was yesterday. The people in that room had fire resting upon them. Who could forget that? Some of them were speaking different languages, and they weren't even from the country they were speaking that language for. And literally every person in the room was from a different country represented in the known world. Jews from every land came together and experienced this phenomenon with one another. I mean, it was amazing and it was strange all at the same time. This was a holiday for us, and every year we gathered together for what we call Pentecost. It's a holiday for farming. We take our first fruits and we give them to God. We celebrate it 50 days after Passover. And it's always a big party, especially in the evenings. But all this detail was minuscule to what had happened that day. God did something bigger than what I had ever seen before. The emotions were high. People were genuinely excited. And God showed up that day in a way that I had never seen. I always thought about my emotions, but I never thought they could be so good. And this could have been what it was like on that day. Jews from everywhere had an experience like no other. I imagine it could be like when Baylor and TCU played each other in football last season, October 11th, 2014. It was the 110th showing of Baylor versus TCU, and Baylor was down by 21 points in the fourth quarter, and no one saw it coming. Quarterback Bryce Petty and the senior he was a senior quarterback, passed for a career best of 510 yards, and the Bears scored 24 points in the last 11 minutes of the game. The stadium had given up 11 minutes before, but now they couldn't stop their elation. When Callahan kicked for that 28-yard field goal to clinch the win for the Bears, the fans rushed the field. It was one of the greatest comebacks for the Baylor team. This excitement changed many people's view of the Baylor Bears. Our emotions could change the course of our life. I imagine, too, in Pentecost that there were people. There were so many people there that day at the festival. It was packed full of people and their sacrifices. The crowd was moving slowly, and we heard words in our own language. This person, he looked like a Persian, and they were talking about God and the good things that God has done for them. And he was talking to me in my own language. When a person is talking to me, I had to stop and listen. And on top of that, they start telling me the good news of God. I was amazed. There was a small group in the crowd that day who were speaking in different tongues. And yes, it was amazing, but it was weird too. I thought they were probably drunk. But someone in the crowd started speaking. It was one of them. He told us they weren't drunk, but that this is what Jesus had promised them. It was a prophecy come true. We hadn't seen a prophecy come true in ages. I sent goosebumps up my arms, and my heart started beating fast. 
It was a promise, a prophecy had come true. And this is what I imagined could have happened that day. The relief that that community must have felt and the fear about their future must have been exponential. Their emotions at that moment must have been numerous. I can imagine that some of them may want to think or hide or others may want to go tell the good news and more still may have had that curiosity and wanted to learn more about Jesus who had left the Holy Spirit for them. These emotions were not bad. There are sometimes we hear that we cannot trust our emotions because they're one thing one second and something else the next. But some do not realize that emotions are telling us something about ourselves. Our emotions are letting us know the state of our soul and how we feel about something. They're extinctional, instinctual. They are ingrained in us from the time we are born. Sometimes the problem is we don't want them because we may think they only get us in trouble. But we must learn to live with them because they're not going away. Emotions are good, and if we don't have them, we're not alive. So don't be afraid to cry when someone dies or when someone is sick in the hospital because it's sad. And don't be afraid to celebrate with someone everything good that happens in life. The small things and the big because every little thing is a victory. Emotions help us get through the difficult and the good. To have experienced God in a most extraordinary way must have been exhilarating yet fearful. It was their experience of God which has truly shaped us today. The growth of the church was because they experienced God themselves and they followed their emotions and ultimately followed God to have purpose and meaning in their lives. Purpose and meaning are what humans strive for. It's what spirituality is. It's the drive in a person to experience the divine, the ultimate God in our everyday normal life. And to know that there is a purpose and meaning for our lives. It's why we are here today. Our experience and our emotions can change our lives. Favelas in Rio de Janeiro are normally illegal cinder brick homes built on the side of a mountain and piled on top of each other. These communities in Brazil are naturally filled with people who are poor and could not afford housing in the city because housing in Rio is very expensive. Poor people turn to these communities because they are affordable. But they are considered squatters, and many of the residents in Rio don't like how they look in their community, nor how they are run. Many of these favelas are run by militia or drug lords who charge rent for the electricity that they steal from the city. And thus, there can be some trepidation when it comes into going in the favelas. 
But the Catholic Church saw the poverty and they saw the need for purpose and meaning for the people in poverty. In the early part of the 20th century, the Catholic Church started small groups in the different favelas around the city. Catholicism spread like wildfire because the church was helping people get food and clothing. And these small groups were like home churches, and many grew into larger community churches. The people of Rio were excited about this new faith, and it spread throughout the whole city and the poor and the wealthy neighborhoods. It was like another Pentecost had happened. Sometimes our community can change our lives. Pentecost was a day full of excitement and reverence. People were giving their gifts to God, and then God gave them this community, this greatest gift that could ever be given, the Holy Spirit. What an incredible thing to be given. And to think all we have to do is ask for the Holy Spirit and it will be given to us. This is revolutionary because if you look uh, at the Tower of Babel in Genesis, God tried to mix up the languages and separate the people. Genesis 11, 1 through 9, there was a story about how languages and cultures began. Babel was a place where people tried to become God by building a tower to heaven. But the Lord came down and mixed up their languages and sent them all over the earth. In this story, the people of God were separated after they tried to be like God. But on the other hand, the Pentecost story takes a twist. And God comes to the earth, giving the Holy Spirit to humanity. Within this twist, God allows the people in the festival to have the ability to understand one another. God unifies this people through the Holy Spirit using their own languages. In Brazil, the Catholic Church was a uniting force for the people in Rio. They all knew the language of Catholicism, and the small groups did a lot of good in the favelas. Their community came together to find meaning and purpose, and God was the center of their meaning. Sometimes God can change our lives forever. Sometimes God can change our lives forever. In our experience, emotions, communities, and in God, our lives can be changed. These four things lead to a greater purpose in our lives. They are arrows pointing to heaven. Take a look at your life and think about your experience. You may want to close your eyes and think about these things. How has your experience shaped you? Think about from your childhood. Think about your parents, friends, church, school. 
Was your childhood serious or silly? Now look at your emotions for a second. How do you view your emotions? Are they good or bad? What were you taught about your emotions? Do you trust them? Now imagine your family and your friends. Imagine the people you work with, the people you love, the people you hate, the people you can talk to and trust, and those you don't trust. Imagine them. Is your community a help to you? Can you trust them? Which person do you feel most connected with? How often do you talk with them? Do you love them? Is that feeling reciprocated? Now imagine God. Is God big, small, male, female, angry, tender? Does God look like anything you can think of? Is God silent or loud? Here or there? Where is God? Now think to yourself, how have these things changed my life? If you closed your eyes, you may want to open them again. Looking at this passage today from Acts, it makes me feel like life is an ever-changing mystery. And change can be scary because we may have no idea where we are going to be in the next year. Maybe you have moved recently or you are going to move or your job is in a difficult place and they may have to lay off some people. Transition is difficult. Maybe you're struggling to find your place in your community. It can be difficult relying on others to help you, but don't be afraid to rely on them. Don't be afraid to rely on your emotions and your community to support you in difficult times. Maybe you feel like God is silent. Sometimes we need someone else to tell us that God is still working. You may need someone to tell you God's graces. Someone to tell you how good God is. Even when it's hard to see it. It's hard work to change. Because it takes a lot of introspection looking inside yourself to see who you are in the midst of difficult times. 
For instance, knowing that depression could be an issue for you is important. It's helpful to know that because then you will know when to ask for help from your community, a therapist, pastor, or friend. These are the ones who help us find purpose and meaning in the midst of our difficulty. Having people to talk to when things get difficult can help. But know that every discussion that you have is a prayer. And every moment that you have is a Pentecost where the Holy Spirit is working to unite you to yourself, others, and to God. Amen.